Today we will continue our series in Acts um, to unpack the Christian response to God's grace, to live as witness to God's glory. In today's passage, we see how God provides divine appointments for us to witness, demonstrating his sovereign work on both sides of witness equation. God both sends us and goes before us in our witness. Hear the word of the Lord. Acts 8, 26 through 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was like this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and he passed through, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Please join me in this responsive reading. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Amen. I add my greetings to those you have already heard and invite you to keep your Bibles open. If you have them open to Acts chapter 8, we're going to look at a few verses in there together. Uh, thank you all for reading. If you don't have a Bible, uh, please feel free to take one from the back rack of the pew in front of you or even use your phone. Uh, we want to let the Spirit of God use the Word of God as we continue to unpack what it means to be a witness for God, to respond to his grace by testifying to his work using his word uh, and for his glory. Uh, this is, a, I don't even know what number, it's the first of two, we're going to finish this sermon next week um, as we look at Acts 10, but it, we've talked about a witness now for several weeks, and there's several things that I want you to remember as we come into this text. First of all, uh, when we talk about being a witness, uh, God doesn't need you. Uh, he doesn't need you to be a witness. God is sovereign. He can bear witness to himself. He, Jesus says even the rocks will cry out if he needs them. 
He's pleased to use you. Truly, being a witness is your highest good and his greatest glory. It's just a fact. It truly is better to give than receive. You truly do find your life when you lose it, uh, and you find fullness when you give yourself away. Secondly, uh, for those of us that are a little nervous about being a witness, I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do, God says, don't worry about it. We looked at the life of Peter, and it's God's work from beginning to end. It's God's grace we stand on. Excuse me, I'm being attacked here. It's God's grace we stand on. It's God's word we speak. And it's God's spirit that does the work. We talked about that. And then there's still people that are a little bit nervous, right? I don't know if I can even do that much, Mitchell. I don't like speaking up. I feel really alone. God says, don't worry about it. You're not alone. At the end of chapter 2, we saw uh, the power of collective witness, that the people of God, when we are centered on the work of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, we know the love of God. We're overflowing with that, and we have a collective witness to the world whereby God is adding to the church numbers day by day. And then you say, okay, I feel a little bit better. Strength in numbers. God's word doesn't work. That's all good. But what do I say? Last week, we saw like a coach, a lawyer that's coaching somebody to take the witness stand. We see how we saw how God focuses our witness. On the one hand, we focus our witness on the name of Jesus, the power of Jesus, the person of Jesus, the work of Jesus. And on the other hand, we do so with the trajectory of holistic transformation. It's not just spiritually coming to Christ, but God is redeeming all of life the whole person, and the whole place so that worship is restored to the world. Now, you say, okay, that's good. That's a lot. You could probably close in prayer right now, Mitchell. That's a whole lot. I got a little bit more from this passage. Okay, you ready? God's grace goes even further. In fact, God makes appointments for you and for me to be his witnesses. We have the opportunity to walk into work that God has prepared in advance for you to do. Do you believe that? Today we're going to talk about divine appointments that God has for you and then even through you. And I'll start off with a little vulnerability. This week I needed someone to be a witness for me. Have you ever been there? Last weekend uh, was uh, just a part of probably the most difficult funeral in Memphis. That, you know, that community just extremely broken coming back, feeling very raw emotionally, uh, found out my daughter, second daughter, was in a car wreck in Austin. She's fine. The car wasn't. So after church on Sunday, the wife and I drove on up to see how she's doing and to kind of Flintstone the car back to San Antonio so that we could get it to a shop that we trusted. It, it made it back. Thanks be to God. Uh, and then Monday, Monday's the day that you're dealing with all the insurance companies and the the body shops, and everybody loves those days, don't you? So I'm feeling raw, a little frustrated. I, dro- we, I dropped the car off, and the, of course, the place doesn't have any air conditioning, uh, and I'm, I'm so shallow that I'm just a little frustrated even by that, waiting outside for the, the rental car person to come pick me up. And I'm standing there. I'm, you know, I'll just put it in a word. I was grumpy. You been there? Just like in the valley of grumpiness, that's where I was. And so I, the guy comes to get me in, his, in the rental car pickup. It's about a 10-minute drive. And he says, how you doing, sir? And I had that little mental debate. Should I really be honest with this guy and just unload? I decided not to, just open a window. I said, you know, 
I'm, I'm okay. I'm going to be really a lot better when I can get this car taken care of, all this stuff taken care of. And I said, how are you doing? And he goes, I am full of joy. I am blessed. And I was like, really? My eyebrows went up. And he didn't ask for permission. I mean, this guy knew I was in his car and I couldn't get out, right? And so he just started testifying to me. He started telling me about how Jesus changed his life, how Jesus redeemed his circumstances, how Jesus has given him a new purpose in life. And this guy talked for 10 minutes till we got to the place. He had no idea who I was, no idea how bad I needed a witness. And he just lifted my spirits. His name was Samuel, just to get the last name right, Gadsden. He had moved here from South Carolina, and I think God sent him just to lift my spirits and to be a witness. So I said to Samuel, I said, Samuel, you mind if I pray for you? He was like, well, no, that's fine, you know? So I prayed for him, and I decided I'd mess with him a little bit. I went into the rental car place and pretended I was upset, you know? I said, well, who's the manager here? Now, everybody straightens up, well, who's over there, you know? I said, not, no one was going to be the manager. I said, does this guy work for you? And he was like, well, yes, sir, he does. Everything okay? I said, yeah, everything's fine. You need to give him a raise. <laughs> you know? yeah. I, don't, I doubt that he did, but I tell you what, God used him as a witness to raise my spirits. Have you ever been there? Do you know people who are there? God makes divine appointments. And maybe you're in a car in life with somebody who needs it, or you are that person who needs to see it, to believe it. Either way, God wants to use you. And all of us have neighbors that need encouragement. All of us have family that need to see and know love. Every single one of us has friendships that need uh, presence because of things of pain and problems in their life. All of us live in a world where we know there's darkness and it needs light. All of us live in a world where there is brokenness and there needs to be a display of beauty and goodness that only the gospel can give us. The truth is that if you're like me, you allow your circumstances to affect you too much or you get too busy to allow God's divine appointments to drive your agenda or you're too afraid of what people will think of you, or if we're just honest, we're just not motivated. I mean, that's everybody else's problem, right? Well, today, God's grace wants to meet you freshly so that you can discover not only the fullness of his love for you, but the power and the beauty of the works that he's prepared in advance for you to do. So before we unpack the word of the Lord, will you go with me to the Lord of the word in prayer? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We ask now that you would do the work, grab our hearts, that we might know you and your love and your priorities more fully, that we might leave here encountering you personally so that we can serve you more faithfully and fruitfully. Lord Jesus, son of David, will you speak to us? We pray in your name. Amen. Now, this passage has a lot of layers that we don't have time to unpack. Now, Philip uh, is commanded by the Spirit to go to Samaria. He's responding to persecution that's just happened in Jerusalem. Stephen had borne witness. Uh, the religious authorities had put him to death. You might remember the stoning of Stephen in chapter 7. 
and the persecuted people of God begin to spread, and they start to fulfill what Jesus promised in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. When Jesus said, you will be my witnesses, not only in Jerusalem and Judea, but in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so Philip is uh, fulfilling that as he's participating in gospel advancement, a light to the nations. And there's so many layers of this passage of reading Isaiah 53 by the eunuch and the, the fullness of God's covenant plan with eunuchs coming to Jerusalem to worship God uh, or the, the light of the gospel going to the Gentiles. That is something we're going to hit more next week. We don't have time to unpack all those layers. Today, we're going to look at the invitation that God gives us for participation in response to his grace in being a witness in divine appointments that he gives us. And the first thing that we see is the angel of the Lord, that God will lead us to divine appointments. The angel of the Lord meets Philip. Look at verse 26. Now, you know, he'd been preaching the gospel. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise, go toward the south, to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, the angel speaks God's word for Philip to go and bear God's witness, to go to Gaza. And you might say, okay, Mitchell, that's great. I don't have the angel of the Lord telling me what to do. I don't have my calendar items sent to me, uh, but invites from Gabriel the angel. That just doesn't happen to me. May I argue that you actually have a more powerful, more pointed, and more potent word than even the angel gave to Philip? Because God gives his words to his people. His direction that we were, we're redeemed by grace to, to show grace, where we know God's love through Christ to, to show love to the world, it couldn't be more clear in God's word. That we are called to be a light and let our, let our works shine before the world so that God himself can get glory. That we are called to love even our enemies. That we are called to be a light in the darkness. That we are called to seek the welfare of the city, to pray for the city and seek its peace. That believing in its, in its flourishing will find our own. We're called to share the gospel to make disciples of all nations, even our neighborhoods, and to show particularly love and care to the marginalized and the poor of our world. And even James says that true religion is to care for the widow, to love the widow and the fatherless. Like God's word could not be more clear to give divine direction than Philip received from this angel. But the truth is, we just ignore it. We're too busy. And we, we have too many conflicting priorities. I, I love my job. I love a lot of what I do, most of what I do, almost all of what I do, right? And one thing I really love is I love mentoring young leaders. And I love connecting them with more seasoned leaders in our congregation and our community. I love it. I'm like brokering relationships everywhere. It's super fun. Because young leaders want to get somewhere and older leaders want to mentor and help people get somewhere. It's a great combination. Well, I had last week received a panic text from a younger leader that I had helped broker a, a meeting with a city leader in our city. And he texted me with too many exclamation points and panicking and question marks of, I missed the appointment. I accidentally put the appointment on the wrong day. I put it Thursday instead of Wednesday. What should I do? And I, honest confession, out of my pride, I wanted to call this guy and 
and apologize for the guy I'm, I'm, as his help mentor. I wanted to shame the guy that missed the meeting out of my pride, but I got over that really quickly. And you know what I told this guy? I said, hey, man, look, here's what you need to do. You need to grow up. You need to own your mistake. Tell him why you missed your appointment. You need to apologize, and you need to walk forward in grace, man. This guy's going to love you anyway. And you know what? He did exactly that. And that's exactly what we need to do when we miss God's divine appointments, his clearly orchestrated times where we're called to be a light, to show his love, or we need to receive love and, and to receive the light that only Christians can give us. And we're often uncomfortable, but, but, but can I help you identify with Philip a little bit? Uh, Gaza is described as a wilderness area. It, it's, a, it's an extreme part of Samaria, which is the, the old area. You'll remember in the Old Testament, it had the northern ten tribes uh, of Israel. Like that's, that's where Samaria was. He's on the northernmost part in the wilderness. And the angel of the Lord commands him to go talk to this eunuch. And can we unpack being uncomfortable real quick? Think about where he went. He went not only to a marginalized area, but Philip was commanded to go cross-culturally to people, uh, someone that wasn't like him. Philip was commanded to go cross-racially. The Ethiopian eunuch was a black African, and Philip was not. He had to cross-ethnically. He, he had to cross-socially. This, this eunuch worked in uh, the palace of the queen. Okay, He had to cross, get this, cross Gender. This was a eunuch that God called Philip to be a witness to someone who had altered their gender. Now, if you're like me, you're already preoccupied and you miss divine appointments, but if something like this comes along that's this uncomfortable and this remote of a place where no one's watching, so why do it, right? Oh, God commands it. You're probably going to Find ways to get busy. You see, two things we need to note real quick. First of all, the, the gospel of Jesus, the love of God, it is more inclusive than any other religion or anything else in this world. Do you see that? God commands Philip to go cross-culturally, cross-socially, cross-ethnically to a gender-altered person. In a world that is longing for inclusive love, only the God of Christianity says, my love is for everyone, everywhere, and no matter what they have done. Grace is sufficient. But secondly, uh, we have to note that Philip went. He obeyed. And look, why do we not obey when God calls us to be a witness in uncomfortable places? If you're like me, it's because you love yourself too much. Another guy I used to mentor, he was 16 years old at the time. He went on a date. Some of you have heard me say this. It's just a too good of an illustration. He went to coffee with this girl. Two hours they had coffee. The next day I'm with him. I say, hey man, how was it? You know what he says? I think I love her. I say, man, you love her? After two hours of coffee? He goes, yeah. I said, well, what do you love about her? He goes, man, she's just like me. I said, do you love her or do you love a female version of yourself? Right? 
Isn't that how we are? I'm going to love everybody as long as they're in my same social status or my same geographic place, my same zip code. I'm going to love everybody as long as they're my same ethnicity, as long as they haven't harmed themselves physically and they're not too like marginalized in society. I'm going to love everybody as long as they're like me. Do we love God in that moment? Or are we really just loving ourselves? You see, this story indicts our hearts as it compels us to know the depth of God's love that he fully sees you and the people he's called you to and he fully loves us and he offers redemption, forgiveness, renewal through the work of Christ alone. And Philip not only hears the word of the Lord and obeys, but he follows the spirit of the Lord. Look down at verse 29. I love this. Um, And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join his chariot. (laughs) Now, look, we're Presbyterians. If you're a visitor, we're glad you're here. We love the spirit of God moving as long as it's in the hour-long worship service that we're at, right? After that, let's not get too long, okay? The spirit actually works in the life of the Christian all the time. Not just during an hour of worship, a couple times a month. But the, the Christian is a temple of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, and, and get this, in a world that is long to be in touch with spiritual powers, Christianity claims the authority of, of true, intimate, all-encompassing power with the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And we've got to be open, available, to follow the Spirit's leading to love people, even if they're in your car for 10 minutes and they've got nowhere else to go, to be a light and to show love. The Spirit directs. Now, How sensitive is Philip? He follows the Spirit. He goes over to the chariot and get this. They're in a wilderness. This chariot is not stopped. So not only is he uncomfortable in who he's going to talk to, he's got to like jog to keep up. I mean, literally, this is a moving witness. If you want to discourage me to do anything, just add an element of exercise, okay? And Philip's doing this jogging witness, and he uses the word. It's just unbelievable how the word and the Spirit to guide Philip, empower him, and they do the work. The second thing we see, the last thing we see, is that God himself has gone before us. And we see this in the Word. Not only does God lead us with divine appointments by his Word and through his Spirit, but he's gone before us in divine appointments. Philip is jogging, and what does he hear? He hears this Ethiopian who is in the the palace of the queen, who is a eunuch, reading Isaiah 53, verses 5 to 7. God has gone before Philip in such specificity that all he has to do is ask a question. Do you understand what you're reading? Now, do you believe that God goes before us with that level of specificity? He does. He did for Philip, and he will do for each one of you. That when the Spirit leads you to show the love that you know through Christ, to be the light that has ignited your heart through the gospel, that when he leads you to be a witness, that he has gone before you. That the same Holy Spirit that is working inside of you is working inside of the person that he calls you to love. Hear this. God is the great evangelist, and he is working both sides of the equation. He is sending you by his spirit and he is working in those who are spiritually thirsty. 
And this eunuch was more spiritually thirsty than the parched wilderness of Gaza that he was riding his chariot in. God goes before you to speak the truth in love, to be the truth in a confused world. God goes before you to bring authenticity to a, a world that is lacking integrity. God goes before you to bring goodness in a world that's gone wrong, to bring, bring beauty in a world that is broken that only the gospel can give as it restores our humanity. He alone is the hope that all of our friends and family, our neighbors and people in our city and wherever God puts you at work, uh, in your clubs, wherever, all of the hunger of people's hearts, Jesus truly is the only hope. That's true for you. It's true for me. It's true for all of us. And Philip uh, ends up leading the eunuch to Christ. He explains through the Old Testament how everything is fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus. He allows the word to work, the spirit to change his heart, he baptizes the eunuch and sends him, the passage says, on his way joyfully. And as you go on your way today, I just want to leave you with two thoughts. First of all, if you know the grace and the love of Jesus, if you are a Christian in personal relationship with Jesus, would you allow yourself to be open to him creating divine appointments for you? In fact, will you see every relationship, every person in every moment as an opportunity to be a witness? Would you please trust God's word and work and stand on his grace? And would you join me in repenting that I'm too much like my 16-year-old friend Zach who loves myself so much that I'm too busy to love people who are different than me? Would you please, Christian, please, Get over yourself and get into the work that Jesus has prepared in advance for you to do. And if you're not a Christian here today, would you please hear this invitation? Jesus alone gives the all-inclusive love that you're looking for. And many of you, you might be wounded by the church from Christians that are more preoccupied with themselves than they are the work of Jesus. Maybe you've been hurt. And I'm sorry. I'm sure I probably have hurt you too, but this is a place of grace. And we're accepted and we're known by the work of Christ alone. His work on the cross forgives our sin. It pays for the penalty of our sin. And it invites us to be born again and begin again. And by his spirit, we can walk in a newness of life. That's for all of us, no matter who you are, where you've come from, or what you've done. So please, Please, would you see every appointment as a divine appointment, an opportunity to be a witness to the grace and the love of God that we know through Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. Uh, I thank you for men like Samuel that you put in my life, in my valleys of grumpiness, so that I can be moved to a place of gladness in the gospel. I pray for those that need a witness today. Would they know and see your love in Christ? And for all of us who, who know you, would you help us to see the works that you've prepared in advance for us, realizing that every moment you give us is a divine appointment, a Kairos God time moment that we can share your love to show your light and be a witness to the goodness and grace in Jesus Christ in whose name we pray.
All God's people said, amen.